So today we start the new church year. I thought it would be uh, good to, to begin with a, a term that we're kind of using this year to be kind of the theme for the year, and that is come and see. And it comes from John's Gospel, the first chapter, uh, verses 35 through 51. So let me pray, and then I'll read the scripture to you. God, we thank you for today. It's, it's good to be together, gathered as your people. Um, good to see friends that maybe we haven't seen for a long time. Uh, we're just grateful for this church and what it has meant to so many of us for so many years. We pray today that as we look at uh, this message on really the call of Christ in our lives, we pray that you would speak to us, that uh, we could understand what these words mean, um, that we would learn something new, and that you would use it to, to help us to take another step forward in our journey with you. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following what do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him for the rest of the day. Andrew Simon Peter's brother was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth? <laughs> exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? You don't want to be from a town where somebody says that, right? <laughs> come and see for yourself, Philip re replied. And as they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. 
Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will see all heaven open and the angels of God going down, up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Interestingly, I've had a number of uh, conversations with people in the past couple of months who are on a spiritual quest. And I've had these conversations throughout my career, but it seems like uh, maybe a little more these last couple months. Maybe it's been that we've been through this pandemic. And we're asking questions about life that maybe we hadn't asked ourselves before. Here's what's interesting about these folks. Most of them would call themselves spiritual, but not religious. And this is what sociologists who study religious have discovered, that this is how many Americans are describing themselves today. Yeah, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And this is what I think is going on with these folks and what sociologists say. These people have found that our secular, material world has not met their spiritual needs. It has left them unsatisfied in some way, yearning for something spiritual, something beyond the material, something beyond uh, reason and science. All good things, but they don't meet the need that we have to know God. And so they're searching. Now, this, this doesn't surprise me. I mean, we are spiritual beings. It doesn't take much to see that. But here's the deal about these people, and this is why they say they're spiritual, but not religious. They are looking for spirituality, some kind of spiritual connection, but they aren't looking at for it in traditional organized religion. In other words, they're not really going to churches, as we know today, by the decline in attendance. I have to tell you, to be honest with you, if I wasn't a Christian, if I didn't know about Christianity, what it really is, the church that is described in the media is the last place I would look, <laughs> right? Not very attractive to me. What they talk about, how they describe the church, primarily in the media today, it's not the place I would look to satisfy my spiritual longing. But here's what is also happening. The new spirituality, which is usually kind of vague and general, kind of really kind of nebulous, is not very satisfying either. And this is what these folks are finding. I remember I had a conversation uh, like this with a woman a number of years ago now who had been on a spiritual quest for a long time. She is what I would call a seeker. She was just seeking for something to satisfy this yearning that she had for some sort of spirituality. Been through many different religions and spiritualities, all kinds of things. And she had a coworker who attended our church for a few months. 
invite her to our worship services. And she said, you know, being part of this church, going to these services, has made a huge difference in my life. Just come and check it out. Really, what, is she, what was she saying? She was saying, come and see. Come and see. So this woman attended for a few months and then asked if I could meet with her. I said, sure. I love having these kind of conversations. <laughs> but here's something she said during our conversation that I'll never forget. She was describing her long journey. I asked her, well, tell me, tell me about yourself. Tell me this, about this journey you've been on. She said, oh, it's been a long journey. And she's described all the different places that she had searched for some kind of spirituality, something to satisfy this spiritual yearning. And then finally she said, you know, I couldn't try one more yoga pose. I thought that was a beautiful way of saying all these things I've tried. Nothing has satisfied my yearning. And it doesn't surprise me. And I don't mean to speak disparagingly about yoga or any other religion. I always try to avoid that. But I think sometimes we have to compare things to understand our own faith. It doesn't surprise me that all these different religions really didn't satisfy. And this is why I think they leave people yearning and wanting. Most of these new spiritualities that people are trying, they're, they're very general. They're kind of they're vague. And really what you end up doing is kind of creating your own God that's good for you. It really doesn't matter what you believe. Just that what you believe fits you and is good for you. There's not a lot of critical thinking going on. There's not a lot of demands. I don't know, to me it all seems kind of mushy. You see, I believe for something to satisfy us spiritually, to really meet these yearnings, it has to have some meat. It has to be bigger than ourselves, not a God that we create, but God, something bigger than us. It has to be something that is worth giving our lives to. Wouldn't you agree? Otherwise, why do it? So, so many Americans have, have rejected the science and rationality that leaves you yearning, and yet these new spiritualities also don't do the trick. In our passage for today, we see Jesus calling his first disciples. And we see something different, I believe, than either the secularism of our age or these new spiritualities. Or the old traditional religion that we find in most churches. And it's captured in this beautiful phrase, come and see. Come and see. I want to explore this phrase today to see what, it, what, it, what does it mean. Let's unpack it. It's used a number of times in this passage. Come and see, first of all, I think means 
just come and check it out. Just like this person who invited her friend to our church. Come and check it out. Investigate. Observe. Listen. Examine the evidence. Look at the people, which is kind of scary. <laughs> it means come, I think, come and think. You know, I love the interaction Jesus had with John's two disciples. You know, just to, as a point of teaching here, you know, there were all kinds of disciples during this time. This is how people learn. They went, they didn't go to schools per se, they, they had a rabbi or a teacher that they followed. And they learn from this teacher, usually some philosophy or religion. So these two disciples, we're told, are disciples of John the Baptist. In the passage just prior to this one, John says of Jesus, I have seen and testify that this is God's chosen one, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. And otherwise, this is the one we've been waiting for. This is the Messiah, the Christ. And his two disciples, of course, are intrigued by this. So they begin to follow Jesus. Perhaps a little nervously, I would imagine. And Jesus saw them, noticed that they were following him. And then he turned around and he said, what do you want? Now this is a rhetorical question. <laughs> I think Jesus knows exactly what they want. It's what all of us want. It's what every human being wants. Some meaning, some life, some spirituality. And so Jesus asked them, what do you want? A great question for all of us. It's the question that all of us need to ask ourselves. What do you want, really? What do you want? And they ask, Rabbi, where are you staying? And here's where we see the phrase for the first time. Come and see. I love this. Jesus says, come and ask questions. Come observe. He doesn't ask for blind belief. And this is what we experience so often in many traditional churches. You don't go and ask questions. They don't want you asking questions. I have had so many conversations with people who are on these journeys who have said, you know, I go to a church, I ask questions, and they say, don't ask questions, just believe. Oh, we don't want to be a church like that, do we? And we aren't, thankfully. Jesus says, come and see. Check it out. He welcomes critical thinking. He, asks, he invites questions. He wants the disciples to take their time. Didn't we see this in the spiritual journeys that we listened to over the last couple months? If we learned one thing about God in those journeys, it was what? God is patient with us, isn't he? He waits for us. He doesn't push us too hard. He, he's always there. He invites. He says, come and see. But he never forces us. He waits for us. And this is what we see in this interaction. You know, Americans, we are independent people, aren't we? 
We don't want some religious leader telling us what to think or what to believe. We want to think for ourselves. And I think this is what Jesus is encouraging when he says, come and see. You know, when I have these conversations with these people who are seeking, who want to know how to start this investigation of Jesus or this journey, I almost always tell them, you know, begin by reading one of the Gospels. And I usually suggest the Gospel of John because there are dialogues, conversations that are really detailed in the Gospel of John that are not found in the other three Gospels. And I'll just tell them, as you read, look at this person, Jesus. Is Jesus compelling? Does what he teaches make sense to you? How does he interact with people? What's important to him? Who does he claim to be? And as you do that, you begin to examine the evidence. Who is this Jesus? I worked with a young woman at a summer camp who had become a Christian just the year prior. Wasn't raised in a religious home. Quite the opposite, really. And she was yearning for a couple years, yearning for something that she wasn't experiencing. And she went to Paris on a semester abroad program. And, you know, it was kind of lonely. It was in uh, her dorm room by herself, and she just felt like something was telling her, go find a Bible and begin reading it. And so she got up, and she went to a bookstore down the street, used bookstore, and she found a New Testament written in French. Fortunately, she could understand it. She could read French. So she started at page one, the Gospel of Matthew. And she just started reading straight through. By the time she got to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which is, you know, in my opinion, the greatest body of Christ's teaching, chapters five through seven, So when she got to the end of chapter 7, she got down on her knees. And she prayed, Jesus, I don't know who you are, but if you're real, reveal yourself to me. And so began her journey that changed her life. Come and see. Come and see. It means come and think, investigate. It also means, come and follow me. Jesus meets Philip, and he says to Philip, Philip, come and follow me. Now, what is Jesus doing here? Well, he's really inviting Philip into a relationship. It's this pupil, disciple, master-teacher relationship. You know, last week when we wrapped up this series on the journeys of faith, I talked about when the Bible talks about knowing God. The Greek word that is used there does not just mean knowing someone intellectually or knowing their ideas or knowing their teaching. It really means knowing someone in an intimate way. It's the same word that is used other places in the Bible to describe the sexual relationship. It means really knowing someone in a deep, intimate way. And honestly, this is not easy to explain or to understand. I have been a pastor a long time, and 
when I have these conversations with seekers, someone who knows very little about Christianity, maybe is brand new, and I begin to talk about a relationship with God, I just get blank stares. What do you mean? How can you have a relationship, personal kind of relationship, an intimate relationship with God? And yet I think this is what Jesus is inviting Philip to do here and invites us to do. Come and follow me. Learn about me. Not just intellectually, but relationally. Watch how I live life. What I care about. Let me be your companion. Not just on Sundays, but in your everyday life. Let me be your teacher. And teach you how to live life in the way that it was meant to be lived. You know, when Jesus said, I have come to give you life and give you life abundantly, this is what he's talking about. Not just life, like the life of a plant or the life of a dog, but abundant life. Life with God is really what it means. We, we become Christ's followers, his pupils, his disciples, and as we begin to do that, we sense God, God's presence in our lives. We have communion with God as a way to describe it. We experience forgiveness, and we experience in a deeper and growing way God's peace and love. We, we saw this in, on this journey in this journey series, how people try to describe this. It's not easy to understand, and this is why we did this series on journey. Sometimes it's easier to see it in a story form than it is to really understand as we talk about it. But you could see that in these journeys, everybody at some point, I don't know how you describe it, you turn toward God, you open yourselves up to God, and there's a shift in your life. And you start living life differently. You begin to live life as Jesus teaches you to live. And see, this is one of the things that I think makes Christianity compelling. Is Christianity demands a lot. It's big. It's bigger than ourselves. And because of that, I think there's, there's a vibrancy to it that you don't find when you, just, you create your own God. Christ asks us to do some things that, that you, maybe you've never done before, like care for the poor and serve and be generous and fight for justice and love people who are not easy to love. Those are big demands. And yet as Jesus describes this, you know, he says, oh, take my yoke upon you for my... It's, it's a light load, it's an easy load, and yet it's a demanding load. This is what gives us life. And Jesus will give us the power to do it. Last thing about come and see. Come and see always involves friends. It involves friends traveling the journey with you. Did you notice Andrew... What does he do? He brings Peter to Jesus. Peter, come and see this man, Nathaniel. Philip says to Nathaniel, I don't know. Come and see. Come and see. And as the, as the disciples followed Jesus, 
They did so in a group. They didn't do it individually. It was the first original small group. We all need friends to join us on the journey. God almost always uses other people, doesn't he? To teach us, to find Jesus, and then teach us what it means to live this life. We saw this for sure in the faith journeys. Usually it involves someone saying, come and see. And then it involved people walking with you on the journey. To understand, to process what it means to walk with Christ, to become a follower of Christ. It's a journey that takes us our whole lives. We learn more and more, always learning, processing with other people. Let me ask you something. Do you have friends who are spiritual friendships? People that pray for you, people that you can share life with, people who, with whom you can ask questions about what does it mean to be a person of faith, someone who can walk with you through the ups and downs of life. God's will for us is that we have these types of people in our lives. And this is one of the reasons, really, we started life groups, is so that we can have those kind of people in our lives. You know, in closing, we want to become a come-and-see church. And one of the things I love about this church is really from its beginning, it has been a church that invites questions. Wouldn't you agree? We want to be a community of faith where people can come and investigate and ask questions and discover what it means to know God's love and peace, what it means to know God on a, in a daily basis in our lives. We want to be a church where, like Andrew and Philip, we are so excited about what God is doing in our lives that we say to others, come and see. So come and see this year. You know, maybe for some of you, it's come and see for the first time to really look at the evidence, to investigate what does it mean to be a follower of Christ. For others, maybe it means to grow in that understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ. We are, schedule, we are scheduling a lot of classes this year, a lot of opportunities to grow in your understanding of who Christ is and what he asks for you, to experience God in new ways through retreats, spiritual retreats and other things that we'll let you know about soon. Maybe you've been coming to church forever, but you really haven't grown. You know, that can happen. Maybe this is a year where for you, come and see is to grow, to experience more and more the love and the peace of Christ. Maybe for some of you, come and see means you invite others to the journey. May we be a church of come and see. Amen.